1: The Super Media Bros podcast is a founding member of the Odd Pods Media Network.
3: Super Media Bros.
1: kickoffs, there's kicks to the face, there's backblading, like what the fuck? Like, what are are we even talking about this week? A lot of sports, actually. Alright, that sounds great. There's definitely not going to be a great title for this episode, but I don't give a shit.
2: Um, X-Wrestling? I don't know. It's okay.
1: Welcome to episode 264 of the Super Media Bros Podcast. I'm Richie. And I'm still thinking. You can still think, it's okay. We're going to talk about WWE Elimination Chamber. From last week. We're going to talk about the XFL kickoff, which finally happened last week. And we're going to hop in our 30 year time machine series with a visit to WCW Super Brawl 3 from 1993. So, with all that being said, we're going to go ahead and kick this off with the XFL because, like, we're hot off of a brand new start, the third or the second reboot, the third time that this uh, sport has tried to, you know, do its thing and uh it feels like this
2: time they're gonna get it right yes that was and the last go around was excellent as well but i just feel like this is very pristine maybe i don't know there's something about it the rock
1: yeah let's be honest man
2: that that dude anything damn near
1: anything he touches turns to gold
2: i know like financially like Dude just doesn't take L's like he's had a couple of movies and everything that don't make a billion dollars. But like just overall, like him as a marketable figure, everything that he is a part of overall does really well. And it looks great. Like the design looks great.
1: The logos look clean. Uh, I'm happy with where the teams are, Mm -hmm. the logos of the teams, the names of the teams. It, it, It feels big. Yeah, not like it didn't before, but it feels more big time.
2: Right I would now. like after you know a couple of seasons an expansion, get less Texas and more like spread out. I was gonna say, but I know they did that because Texas
1: is a breeding ground oh, for fans. Yeah. Like, put anything in the most of these teams are in the south, which I think yeah. is funny because like we love our fucking sports down yeah. here, but. Uh, there, there are eight teams. There is a North and a South division. The South division are the Arlington Renegades led by Bob Stoops, the Houston Roughnecks led by Wade Phillips, the Orlando Guardians led by Terrell Buckley or Terrell Buckley because I suck at pronouncing this dude's first name, <laughs> and the San Antonio Brahma's led by Heinz Ward.
2: Or so, Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> I mean,
1: let's be honest. That man probably, like just whispering in his ear like, all right, here's what you got to do. Yeah. (laughs) Now the fact that like there are three Texas teams. One thing I thought was really interesting of note is that half the teams and I say half, they're kind of split unevenly. Half the teams have a turf field and like the other three have grass fields. Mm -hmm. That does actually make a huge difference in your, in your playing. So The ones on the uh, South Division that have turf is Houston, Orlando, and San Antonio. And as we move to the North Division, we have the D.C. Defenders that are led by Reggie Barlow, the Seattle Sea Dragons led by Jim Haslett, the St. Louis Battlehawks led by Anthony Becht, the Vegas Vipers led by Rod Woodson. Now, funny enough, our team, who we have already picked, which is the Vipers, we're fucking fanging all the way, We've got a grass field, but we actually have the least amount of people that the field can hold.
2: Well, yeah, actually, that was a huge thing is we didn't even have a stadium until like maybe a month before the fucking kickoff. We right, like, right. So where are we going? Like, what's going on? Um, it's a soccer specific stadium, dude. That's the funny part about it. We are in a
1: fucking soccer field.
2: And it's funny because whenever the first game happened and it was Vipers at Arlington, I was like, oh, God. Well, the
1: the defenders have a a soccer field, too, but like ours looks real tiny.
2: But here's the thing, dude. Whenever that game started, I was looking at the crowd. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Turns out, first of all, you have to realize it was the away side that was not filled capacity. Right, right. And I had to think and be like, Now, who in the fuck from Vegas is going to travel to Arlington for a football game? Like, for the first game of not only this team, Mm -hmm. but the league. It's like, yeah, okay, it's not going to sell out there with that distance and everything surrounding it. Even if you are not a Vegas resident, but you're still a fan of the Vipers, still, it's not going to happen. But also, turns out the top of the stadium was still sealed off. So that's a lot of crowd. That's not even physically able to be there. Right. So when you think about that, it's like, okay, you probably did have a pretty good turnout. Yeah. And
1: it was weird seeing it on camera. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, because you know, it's not going to be packed. You know, I, I, I feel like if anything, um, the Vegas Vipers home field will look packed because it seats less people. Yeah. But Twelve thousand five hundred is still a
2: lot of people. Oh yeah, and then the other teams like uh, San Antonio and uh, the DC game. Dude, the DC game was fucking packed.
1: Yeah, and I think it's because of like those cities. Like, yeah, they're clamoring for shit like this, man. Um, but let's go ahead and talk about the let's go ahead and talk about the games because we we finally had uh, some kickoff uh, games happening, and um there were some rule changes that happened that were revised from the 2020 season. The open, which I I loved this. The opening game for the entire league for this season was the Vipers versus the Renegades. And man, look, I got some shit to say about this. Yeah. Yeah. We both got some shit to say about this. Okay. First of all, this is just us. Giving our boys shit because why the fuck not? Fucking, how do you blow an 11 point lead and then just give the other? Did you just give the fucking renegades every point that they had? Even the coach, even coach said that shit. He was like, every point they have, you
2: fucking gave it to them. I'll say this a lot of the fucking games did have that where it's like nail biting, even though at first it was a, there was a clear winner, you know, like. Right. So. I mean, to be honest, like it's not, I would say it set the tone of the XFL week one in general. uh, Time will tell if it's an XFL thing in general, but week one in particular, yes. I mean, shit, dude. Look at the Battle Hawks game against the Brahmas. Right. Fucking two minutes left in the fourth quarter. And those fuckers just come right back. Yeah. They were down three to 15. In the fourth quarter, two minutes left, two touchdowns, three-point conversion, fourth and 15. Like, it was fucking insane. So for the Vipers to, I guess, choke it, and really, it was just the third quarter. Uh, I don't know if they just got cocky, but Perez is kind of known for starting off hot as shit. And then, I don't know, He like, he always starts off like, ready to prove something right and then just fizzles i was going to say the exact fucking same thing but then he came back alive in the fourth quarter but by then it was just too late i, I it was a couple of picks and uh several fumbles but i did want to point this out that one fucking moment when he's talking to not one but two lady refs And you can hear them saying, oh my God, how
1: he's just spitting his fucking game. Basically, he's just basically, he's like spitting where he came from, what he's done and all this other shit. Yeah, I graduated
2: uh, 2017, you know. And he's just got the biggest smile. Oh yeah. And I'm just like, uh-huh, yeah. you got the win in the bag.
1: Yeah, he already knows. He's he's <laughs> he's thinking of which two or probably both of them to take to
2: dinner. And yeah. like, just, you know, and, like, and I was like, Yeah, we got this win. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't, but I was like, Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I see I see the vision. That motherfucker sitting there, like, I'm gonna show you my Viper later, <laughs> <God damn> it. <laughs> Fucking hell. Hey, you know what though? Renegades got immaculate defense. I'll, I'll give them that. Even though from the 2020 jersey design to now, it's fucking ass. I fucking hate the rebooted Renegades look.
3: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That's pretty fucking bad, dude. I'm not gonna lie. It, yeah, it's bad. Now I do want to point out. You were talking about just uh, stats and like shit that happened during the game, like the fucking amount of goddamn
2: uh, turnovers that. Vegas
1: just gave dude. to the fucking renegades, dude.
2: dude. Jesus Christ. And I'm glad you brought that up because you want to hear a crazy stat? Fucking would love to. This game ended at 22 and 20. Somehow they won a game with that score, not a single offensive touchdown. It was all, all the
1: fucking. Defense. Yeah, I, I know. I cannot fucking get over that shit either. I'm like, it was either defensive, like. Turnover touchdown or field goals? Like yeah. oh, what the fuck? Oh, and speaking of field goals, this is where Devin and I had like a humongous like like uh, as far as like the rules went or whatever. We were having a huge fucking conundrum because uh, the Vipers had come back with like oh god, less than a minute, way fucking dude, less than a minute, dude. Eight seconds left, and the fact that we had a touchdown. And I was sitting there like, why the fuck wouldn't they just go for the field goal? And like, I think at the time we hadn't realized that they just, they don't do that here.
2: Yeah. Like it wasn't until like that night, whenever it was, it was a second game. Uh, No, no. They kept saying it during the, uh, the sea dragons game and defenders. They kept, so I, I didn't see it on social media, but the way that they kept explaining it. After every turnover, no field goals after a touchdown. They said it so many times. I have to think that we were not the only ones that didn't know.
1: Yeah, because I, I can guarantee you people that are just getting into this and they don't know uh, probably did the same fucking thing we did where they were just like, you sons of bitches.
2: Like, and yeah. we were the fucking heels in that arena, trust me. Oh, like, dude, it was, it was fucking amazing. I loved it.
1: Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that that game, it, it's not that it soured me completely. I was just like, God damn it. Like, and me well, and yeah. you both, like, you said it. I had the same thought. We just can't have a team that goes all the way, can we?
2: I know, because between my Miami Dolphins, Chicago Bulls, now this. Um, hey, the Bruins are looking really fucking good. Hey, though.
1: yeah, exactly. Go Bruins. Fuck yeah. Bruin boys. All about some fucking hockey over here, too but uh yeah like it, you you think about it like you go from that game and then like our second pick the roughnecks just wiped the goddamn field with the guardians dude. bro like that was a that was a
2: fucking slaughter dude despite throwing two picks Houston by far had the best quarterback uh best looking team front to back which by the way how fucking wild is it that you look at that color scheme right right and it's a Dominant dynasty-ass team. Their quarterback is number 12. Yeah. I I just... It's the stupidest thing, but I don't know. Uh, Talking about the Guardians, though, they were the only team all weekend to not get a sack. That sucks, man. (laughs) Like, And it's like, dude, Guardians aren't even my least favorite team in the league. No, they're really not. Like, they do have a pretty cool aesthetic. I like their logo, all that stuff. Uh, And... Plus, maybe it's my generation, but in middle school, neon green was the color. So neon neon colors were a thing for me um, in like elementary school, and
3: then
1: like going into middle school, like they were still kind of there because you got to think like like we're we're literally like a decade apart, so like Mm -hmm. our generations are a little different. Like I came up like literally came up like of of mind in Mm the nineties, like literally in the nineties. You got the tail end of that shit going in like the early 2000s or whatever, but like it's still a
2: thing. So from sixth grade to ninth grade, dude, if you didn't have the black Nike socks with the white check, you weren't cool, but you were extra cool. If you had the fucking black with the neon green, Mm -hmm. you were elite. (laughs) So but no, I your, mean, your
1: feet were elite,
2: dude. <laughs> it, that was the shit. But no, uh, Guardians, they looked the weakest, but also you're going up against the Roughnecks, and there's a reason they're called the Roughnecks, dude. And even the last version of XFL, they were the only team that was undefeated. They were five and oh, I believe. You think this
1: is going to be the team that, uh, like just based on the score and their performance, you think this is going to be the team to look out
2: for? Oh, yes, absolutely.
1: I think so too, but like the Battle Hawks and Brahma's game, like I couldn't believe. Like we were talking about that a while ago, I couldn't believe the fucking comeback on that one,
2: dude. And and all the way through, it was strictly a defensive game, sure, up until the fourth quarter, which it was fun as hell to watch. But offensively, it looked lame to the point where uh, Charlie, his favorite team so far, is the Battle Hawks, and he was like, "Dude, my team is ass." <laughs> Because they just were not getting it done. And then up until the last two minutes, it was 3 to 15. And he was like, damn, motherfucker, at least you guys were 20 to 22, you know? Right. We look like shit. And it's like, it's almost as if they heard him say that. Mm -hmm. And they were like, oh, word. We're going to let him Yeah, that. Yeah, whoop that ass. Dude, it was fucking insane. Uh, The Brahmas looked really stout. For most of the game, like I, I was pretty, pretty happy with the Brahmas.
1: And then the, uh, the last game of the kickoff was the DC Defenders uh, against the Seattle Sea Dragons. And I'm just going to go on record right here and now. I told Devin this over text message. I told Devin this in my kitchen about 30 minutes ago. And I'm telling this to him now in front of all of you people out there that are listening. Devin and I are day one Vegas Vipers guys. Mm hmm. And I I feel like I can speak for the both of us when I say we are also day one fuck the sea dragons all the fucking way. Dude. And And it's not even because like the team.
2: (laughs) It's the sad part, dude. We are just like, man, we just got to find a team. And honestly, another one of my good buddies, Buckaloo, he he loves the sea dragons. And so I was like, Nobody likes D.C. defenders, okay, except for Washington people. And the fact that we're even just like, fuck the Sea Dragons over the defenders. Well, that's the thing is because, like, it's like, dude, y'all are the most mid-ass looking team. Like, even though the fans are great, like, all all of that shit, it's Washington. Of course, it's going to have great fans. Sure. But their presentation, the jerseys and all of it, I'm just like, this is the most mid-shit. Whereas the Sea Dragons at least look cool. But I'm like, that makes me hate you for some reason. Look at DC Defenders walk in their locker rooms and they're just like, fuck yeah, we got, the, we got a
1: really rad like color scheme. Oh man, this is going to be fucking great. We're representing like DC, period. And they fucking look at their jerseys laid out. Ah, uh, fuck. And Dude. they're just
2: embarrassed. <laughs> well, the thing is, is their away jerseys and uniform overall is pretty good, you know? The home uniform is ass, dude. I can't. Red is my favorite color, but that's just too much. It just it doesn't look right. It to me, it honestly looks like, you know, remember whenever Madden games you could create a custom team? Yep. It looks like a custom team's default that you were supposed to take and then customize around. Yeah. It just looks off. But as far as the Sea Dragons go, uh fuck them. Di- <laughs>
3: uh, In
2: and, and, and my professional opinion, as far as the sea dragons go,
1: fuck them. Moving yeah, on. <laughs>
3: I mean,
2: well, Ben DiNucci, I mean, their quarterback started off hot. Like I'm talking like Sam Raimi, Spider-Man one and two hot, and then ended it like Spider-Man three. I swear to God, he fucking, <laughs> Jesus Christ. He fucking, God damn. I don't know. Like, it felt weird, because I was like, dude, I don't want to cheer for Logan's team, because like, I feel it in my heart that if my buddy's favorite team is on, I have to root against them. Yeah. Like, like it's really not even fuck the Sea Dragons. It's more like, fuck Logan. <laughs> like, like, you're not <laughs> even calling him Buckaloo anymore. It's like, you're bringing out the name. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, like, it's personal at that point. <laughs> so... And plus like Like I said DC's got some cool fans You know the, Free the fucking beer snake dude I love that shit Let's
1: talk about that real fast Before we kind of like Get to um, Like where we want to see The league go And all that shit Like we'll close the chapter On this But oh my fucking god During that game A beer snake From the fans Was taken <laughs> So how did this Fucking Trash ass Response go <laughs>
2: They started throwing lemons onto the field. Whole ass fucking lemons. We're not exaggerating
1: this. You can go on YouTube and find this.
2: I just want
1: to know: Did they? How did they plan this? Did did they come prepared? That's what I want to know. Like, did they? Where did, did they get these? Right. Like, did, did they fucking like all band together somehow? Did somebody in the parking lot just have like a fucking like
2: supply of lemons in yeah, their truck, and they like, were like, "Hey, guys, lemons." Is that a thing in DC? Like I gotta it, know. Like that's what I, I want to know. If it's like a like a traditional thing that you just come prepared for. I, I mean, like
1: would would Green Bay fans throw cheese? Fuck Green Bay. I, that's what I'm saying. Fuck them. But like, do they throw cheese?
3: I don't know. Like,
1: That'd be like coming down here for a Saints game and us getting so pissed off we throw crawfish onto the field.
2: Yeah, like I just I. I need to know if it was a cultural thing that I just was not aware of. Well, when life gives you lemons. Yeah. Yeah? Fucking (laughs) my favorite shot of that game was whenever they showed the lemon and it was broken in half (laughs) from the impact. (laughs) And it's like, oh, my God,
1: we're about to squeeze these lemons and make some haterade out of it.
2: dude. It was fucking wild. But they made that comeback. Yeah, they did. There was a fucking post on the XFL uh, Instagram. And it was of this kid. And he was wearing like all decked out in Sea Dragon shit. And he had a sign that said, I traveled seven hours to see Ben DiNucci. And that man lost! (laughs) You You drove seven hours to see your man's lose! Rest in piss! (laughs) You will not be missed.
1: (laughs) Oh my fucking God.
2: So, before we leave... Who do you think it's going to be in the championship? Definitely Houston. Um,
1: and that's difficult for us to say, man. Well, that's okay. So do you think, and, and this, is just, this is just like, do you think it's going to be the Vipers and the Roughnecks?
2: It, oh God. I'm actually looking up who's on which side. No,
1: that's what I'm saying. Because the Vipers are the North Division and then Houston's in South Division. It's very possible.
2: It's very possible. Um, The only if the Vegas Vipers get their shit together, though. Yeah. I mean, as far as the North goes before week one, everybody was saying to look out for the sea dragons. Now, granted, it was one loss, but I feel like I don't know. I'm not so sure about them. I'm thinking it's going to come down to either. I would prefer it to be the Vipers, but you cannot count out the Battle Hawks.
1: See, as far as from the North Division, I'll go either of those two teams I would be happy with. Yes. Because Devin and I actually have teams that we enjoy on both sides of mm-hmm. the divisions, which it, it kind of works out for us because I'm sitting here like, okay, um, Vipers or Battlehawks could go on one side, and then on the other side, I'd be happy with the fucking rough Roughnecks or the Brahmas going. Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it is possible, you know, like it's one week. It's so possible for shit to fucking turn on a dime. But just, I think we'll get a better idea. Because, like I said, it's week one that we have seen. Orlando could just be ass. Like, could be horrible. But Houston was going up against them, so it made Houston look good. We will see on week two, whenever it's the Roughnecks versus the Renegades. Because, like I said, Renegades have some baller-ass defense. Let's see how Houston actually plays against a real team. Right on. But as it stands, I think it'll be Houston and probably Battle Hawks, but I would love if it's the Vipers.
1: Yeah, because that'd be our two teams. Then I'd be happy with whoever the fuck wins, to be honest with you.
2: Honestly, yeah. Because in April, whenever we're going to the Roughnecks and Vipers game, we're like, gonna see how it might look. Not even just that, but it's also just like, dude, we're just gonna be happy to be there because, exactly. like, we love both teams,
1: right? Like, people would lose their shit if we showed up. Like, because, like, I'll wear my fucking Viper hoodie without the sleeves because I'm trashy like that. Yeah. I don't fucking care. I'll wear it like that over there. But then I'll buy, like, a fucking Roughnecks baseball hat and, like, put it oh, on yeah. with the jersey. People would probably be like, what the fuck are you? And I'm going to be like, I'm a rough Viper. I'm a Viperneck bitch.
2: <laughs> Dude. Well, honestly, like, my goal is to go to every team's game at least once. I'd love to do that, too. So. And get merch from all teams because, really, like, Shit talk aside, I really do like at least something out of every team. Sure. You know, even like I said, defenders look a little underwhelming, but they have a clever uh, gimmicked little logo. Mm-hmm. Like with the D and the C with the star. Yep. Like, it's clever. Yeah. Plus, like I said, red's my favorite color, so cool. Yeah. Battle Hawks have a great-ass logo. Sea Dragons, fuck you, Logan. Um... Th- Yeah, I I fucks with it. Vipers is goaded. Roughnecks is goaded. Renegades love their throwback logo. Yep. I hate everything else that's current.
3: Yeah,
1: I was was looking at them being like, hey, you fucking chroma key blue looking sons of bitches. I was so pissed off watching that on my TV. I was like, God, that hurt my fucking eyeballs to look at.
2: Especially their helmets. I don't like their helmets. Yeah, I don't either. The Brahmas love the Brahmas. Look, I
1: feel terrible. We have a shitload of listeners in the Dallas area. They're going to be fucking so mad at us.
2: Well, well I mean, I'm just stating a fact. Like, I
1: know, I know. It's just it's funny. It's
2: just funny that I'm pointing it 2020 out. 2020 XFL, I loved the Renegades. That was my team, actually. Because look at their aesthetic from 2020 versus now. And I think that's why I'm so sour on them is because I'm like, guys, all you had to do it's copy and paste. You had, it was perfect. It was beautiful. Why'd you fuck it up? You want to go from Dallas to Arlington? I understand. I get it. I'm cool with that. Why the fuck? It? And then the Guardians are pretty dope. Yeah. I, I, I like I them, you know? So,
3: yeah, I would, I would
2: get merch from any team, really. Same.
1: Yeah, so okay, like actually before we go, uh, like this time for real, before we go, I'm going to roll over the rule changes that happened from the 2020 season to 2023 because we did mention that at the top of yes. the program, so uh, the play clock changed from 25 seconds from spotting of the ball to 35 seconds from the end of the previous play, team timeouts increased from two to three per half, the regulation overtime rounds decreased from five to three, The new option to convert a 4th and 15 to keep the ball in the 4th quarter. This is also in addition to the traditional onside kick option which remains in the rules. Teams now have one coach's challenge which can be used to review any officiating decision without restriction. In lieu of the onside Sky Judge as used in the AAF in 2020 seasons, all replay decisions are being made from a centralized hub. And the hub retains the error correction powers the Sky Judge held. And finally, a new football is replacing the design used in 2020 with more of a uh, conventional pebbling and design scheme and the signature of Danny Garcia on the football itself. So, I mean not a lot of changes but subtle ones and and that's already in addition to the the standard rules that the XFL has which are pretty fucking cool. So go search those out yourself. Yeah, it's even if you're not an a football fan, you You might become a fan just watching this shit.
2: Yeah, because really it's, dare I say, more exciting than the NFL, but only because all of the players are very hungry. They all have some to prove. And also, just in general, the way that the rules are laid out, it makes for a more fast-paced game.
1: Yeah, it doesn't feel laggy. It doesn't feel terrible. It doesn't feel boring. It feels fun. So, Everybody out there, check out the XFL. If you catch a game on television, it's on ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN Plus, FX, and ABC, which I think it's cool that they're going to air it on FX. Like, that is a fucking awesome option right there. And if
2: you guys don't have cable, I I do not as well. YouTube TV is what I use, but some people can use Hulu, I believe. Um, Sling is a good option, but you are going to miss a few because they don't have ABC. So...
1: Yeah, and ABC is going to be one of the main carriers of this yeah. one. So Trying to help y'all out. Yep, same. But yeah, the season has just kicked off, and it's going to run uh, through the playoffs from April 29th to May 13th, and May 13th is going to be the championship game. So Set
2: it's it's a- in San Antonio, yeah. Yeah, that's it,
1: man. I'm telling you. So check out the XFL. Shit, I'd love to go see that, actually. Same.
3: That'd be a good road trip. I'd love that so
1: fucking. And let's move along to uh, super brawl three from 1993. This was a fun uh, rewatch for me. Cause I haven't seen it in a very long time. And uh, obviously like this is part of our 30 year time machine series. We started with WWF. Like we're going to do the big five in WWF, but we also want to do uh, some of the bigger pay-per-views from WCW as well, because they did have some cool shit going on in the nineties, despite it being kind of, eh, with the bleed over from the NWA, you know, becoming WCW full mm-hmm. blown uh, a damn good card, honestly, yeah. and it was quite fucking entertaining match wise. I was pleasantly surprised with how well this held up.
2: Yeah. I felt like shit whenever I was watching it. Like I was so sick, like,
1: yeah, but I remember you texting me being like, dude, this, this is fire as fuck.
2: Yeah. Cause like it was one of those things of like, yeah, I can barely like, crack a smile physically cause I'm just everything hurts, but I'm happy right now like i was I was just happy to actually be able to sit down and enjoy something because i I just hadn't up until that point. and so just watching it and dude, the fucking Benoit match dude, what a crazy fucking ending!
1: Dude, I was very surprised, okay, so like. Let's start from the top. Yes. Okay. So there are nine matches on the card altogether, and we're not going to like sit and dwell on this. I just want to kind of run through some of these, but I want to talk about a couple of matches in particular. Uh, the first one was before they even were called the Hollywood Blondes. It was Austin and like, Steve Austin and Brian Pillman wrestling, Eric Watson, buff Bagwell, which he was not buff yet. He was just Marcus.
2: This was cooler. watch.
1: This was a fun tag match. I I thought it was great because you can tell this is right when Pillman and Austin started first teaming and you can see that they're finding their footing as a tag team and they're Mm -hmm. even doing like the, you know, the the camera reel thing when they're walking to the ring. I still crack up at the fact that they're just like, oh yeah, Steve Austin from Hollywood, California, when in reality, it's Steve Austin from Southwest Houston, Texas, Victoria, Texas area. And He's, he, he's, he's, he's fucking redneck as shit. <laughs>
2: yeah, boy, I'm from fucking Hollywood, California.
1: No, you're not. <laughs> you're fucking not. You ain't fooling nobody, buddy.
2: Please. I, Cause I was, I wasn't even born or if I was, I was so young. Please tell me he cut promos.
1: Oh, absolutely. You need to go fucking look at that shit on YouTube. It's the best yes. shit ever. It's the best shit ever yes. watching him. It, it really is. It's the best shit watching Steve Austin. Stunning Steve Austin mind you. Try to sound like he is from fucking California because he just, he just doesn't fucking do it. He still oh, sounds yes. like he chews and fucking <laughs> everything. <laughs> oh, but yeah, they, they win this match in 16 minutes and 34 seconds. A very well done tag match and uh, it was, it's a fun opener. Mm-hmm. And on to the match that uh, we were just speaking about prior, it's too cold Scorpio versus uh, Chris Benoit, which I, I was really surprised. But then I remembered that when NBC Universal got the rights to the network, they reinstated all the Benoit matches because they held the creative freedom to do so.
3: now. Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, this is going to sound so fucked up, but I have to say it. I, um, I'm watching this match. And it's Tony Schiavone and
3: uh, oh, and no, Jesse. Yeah,
1: it's Tony Schiavone and Jesse Ventura on commentary, and without missing a beat. And granted, this happened in nineteen ninety three. Without missing a beat, Jesse Ventura. I like this Benoit kid. He's got the killer instinct, and I'm like, uh, Jesus Christ! They really left that in
2: there. They really left well, that in there. I mean, honestly, as morbid as we are, we're probably one of the very few. That actually thought that way.
1: Yeah, I was just like, oh God, they really fucking... He didn't win it by any means, but I was just like, fuck.
2: It was a... I mean, obviously, it's going to be a great match. It's Benoit in 1993. Yeah, yeah, and those fucking
1: tights he was wearing. Jesus Christ, those fucking zebra pants. Oh, fuck, man. But you mentioned the finish, okay? So the match had a 20-minute time limit, okay? And uh, obviously, Benoit is brand new. This is his first pay-per-view like in the company, great match, by the way, him and him and Scorpio uh, had a hell of a match, but yeah, you mentioned the finish to it.
2: Yeah. So they keep announcing like, Oh, you 10 minutes left, five minutes left, like all this stuff. And so you think, okay, so it's going to go down to a draw and it looked like it very last second. Like Right before the bell rings, Scorpio pins Benoit. With and a I,
1: second left.
2: And I was like, I would not have thought. Like, you, you really did think that it was going to be just a, a draw. But nah. I was like, they really took it to the very end. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, and the way they timed it out,
1: because let's be honest, man, that, that's hard to do. Yeah, it is. So... They did it great, though. And then the uh, the third match on the card, which this, again, there this was that weird era in wrestling where people were uh, coming in and out of each company. Or this will be something to mention later on. Uh, Davy Boy Smith, the British Bulldog, uh, wrestling Bill Irwin. Uh, he defeats him in 5 minutes and 49 seconds. This is 1993. This is, I want to say, I want to say this is during, like, not the middle of his run, but he's, he's, Fresh in the company somehow because I feel like whenever they uh, did Beach Blast instead of Bash at the Beach, it was Davy Boy Smith and Sting wrestling Sid Vicious and I can I think Vader maybe. Davy Boy Smith left the WWE or got fired like in '92 sometime. This was after his uh, Intercontinental title run after he beat Bret Hart at SummerSlam that year. But this is like in the middle of his run in WCW because. in this company because they didn't do jack shit with him on either of his fucking runs. Well, they also didn't do anything with Brett years later. Yeah, they didn't do anything with any of the Hart family members that rolled through that bitch. The, uh, the only notable thing I remember from this one is David boy Smith losing one of the beads from his braids. Whenever he, uh, <laughs> drops Bill bill around his fucking head with a side suplex and that he wins with the weakest running power slam I've ever fucking seen. Moving on to the fourth match. Our boy Cactus Jack wrestling Paul Orndorff in a Falls Count Anywhere match. Uh, Dare I say, a dark horse match of the fucking night.
2: Yeah, it was a lot of fucking fun, which expected, you know, it's Cactus Jack. But it was just like, I don't know. I, I always find myself in a weird place of like feeling mesmerized whenever I'm seeing guys like Mick or Benoit or Austin, like seeing these guys not only in their prime or even younger, but also like these were like icons of my childhood. And it's like before they even found themselves. And it's like, damn. Well, in, in a
1: way, I feel like Foley had already found himself. With oh, well, Cactus. yeah. But you got to think. Did Mick ever really have a bad match with anybody in WCW? Like, really think Not about that. The, I
2: can think of I was, no. Yeah,
1: think about it. Think about the matches that this dude has been involved with. Hell, with anybody, really, um, it's difficult to find a terrible match that Mick Foley is involved in because he makes his opponents look good, and then he also can dish it out, you know, as
2: well. Well, I even remember reading his book, or at least one of them, and he had said that he tries his hardest. To make sure that every single fan gets their money's worth with just his match alone. Yep. And it's like, yeah, it's almost as if people should always have that mentality. Now, sometimes I can get muddled because, you know, as much as we love modern wrestling too, you could argue like everybody has these show stealer mentality to the point where nobody is a show stealer. Right. But, Mick just knew what he was doing.
1: Yeah, he really did. And to work with somebody like Paul Orndorff, too. Paul looked great in this match. And, I mean, he sadly passed away not very long ago. But uh, Mick could work with anybody. And the fact that, you know, he's as young as he is. And Paul Orndorf's a pretty good ways into his career by this point. Uh, The way he won was fucking great, though. Like, uh, Mick took some fucking sick bumps in this match. Doing a sunset flip off the apron onto the concrete floor, like an offensively... (laughs) done move uh, taking a full bone, like uh just taking a back bump off of the apron to the fucking floor. He wins by smacking Orndorff right in the face with a snow shovel <clears throat> and the fucking, th- I mean, he got his hand up or whatever, but, but the fucking thud that it made, you're just, Ooh. Yeah. And the crowd was like, Oh my God, he hit him with a fucking shovel!" Like that's back when that was like devastating looking. Mm hmm. But he wins in like 12 minutes and 17 seconds, and it was a fun match. It was a good, like, that was a good midpoint match, you know, because up next, you had the Rock and Roll Express versus the Heavenly Bodies with Jim Cornette. It's a 12 minute and 52 second tag team match, and it was a fun tag match. Mm -hmm. I've forgotten that the Heavenly Bodies were a WCW tag team before they were a WWF tag team at one point, still managed by Jim Cornette. Yes, and this is like right before Cornette went to the WWF because as we all know, he became the American ambassador for Yokozuna at one point
2: point. and we can talk all day about Cornette's views and sure I, I as as an on-screen presence, though. Yeah, I, I was
1: going to get to that um, the man. Bumped his ass off. He was oh, one of yeah. the few managers that really bumped their ass off for the dudes whenever they would uh, run into him, or he would take a punch, or he would get like fucking clotheslined. Or
2: he always had that Jim Cornette sells like he slipped on a banana peel. Jim Cornette just exudes passion, and I think that's why. Like, I'll catch myself if if I get a YouTube recommendation on a clip, I'll be like, all right, I'll, I'll see what he has to say about it, even if I know that I might disagree with him, aggressively even. Like, couldn't be more different of opinion. I'm still like, no, but he'll still bring up a point, you know? Like, he's got a great mind for the business. It's just outdated. He's very set in his ways. But here, he fit. Because this was his era. Right, this was his baby. This was his his fucking time. But
1: yeah, uh, Robert Gibson and Ricky Morton, Tom Pritchard and Stan Lane put a hell of a tag match on and it was a lot of fun and it was about what you'd expect from both teams. Uh, Rock and Roll Express pick up the victory and we move on to the WCW United States Heavyweight Championship match, which is uh, Dustin Rhodes versus Max Payne. Now I have to laugh because Max Payne, it won't, uh, Max Payne had opened the pay-per-view by playing a guitar rendition of the National Anthem. Max Payne also went on to become the man known as Man Mountain Rock in the World Wrestling Federation, going so far as to have a World Wrestling Federation logo guitar. (laughs) And granted, this dude could play guitar, but he looked like... Okay, so Rick Boogs is a bad motherfucker, right? Rick Boogs can play the shit out of a guitar, and um, Elias can play the shit out of a guitar, and they look great doing it with their gimmicks and all this other shit, right? Max Payne looked like every... This I'm gonna get shit on for this. Max Payne looked like every drunk bearded guy in a local band at the bar.
2: Playing stone sour covers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the guy that says yes to some drunk ass yelling free bird. Yeah. And starts playing it, even though the rest of the band is not rehearsed to play it.
2: He just he just goes he looks at the bands, he goes, Y'all said this one out. I got this Hold my fifth beer. And then he just starts like strumming kind of mildly, you know, where he's just like, you can't tell if he's improving it or if he's trying to get his footing. You can't really tell. That motherfucker was probably sitting there just like, all
1: right, does the C come before the F?
3: (laughs) Fuck. Does the
1: D come after the F? Oh, but there's like a fucking E minor in there too. God damn it. Hold up. (laughs)
3: <laughs>
1: like he started just fucking playing it and just oh god clears the room completely out except for the one drunkard that asked for that song to be played but any fucking way
2: and it was probably me because let's face it
1: you're gonna be the free word guy in the crowd
2: dude not only that but anything from that era of music of like stone sour stained fucking disturbed static x Limb biscuit, fucking all that shit. Give it all to me. dude. I love how fucking trash ass new metal you
1: are. It's so funny, dude. I, I love it. Fucking love new metal, man. I know it's just fucking hilarious because like I'm sitting here going shit, dude. All you're missing is a pair of fucking 500
2: pound denim Jinko <laughs> jeans. Hey, I used to wear the fuck out of some buckle jeans. I'm not even gonna lie. Oh, fuck anyway,
1: uh, Dustin Rhodes Beats the shit out of Max Payne in 11 minutes and 28 seconds. I can't even lie. I knew he wasn't going to win, so I barely paid attention to this match. But let's talk about how young Dustin Rhodes was and just, boy, they call him the natural for a fucking reason. Yeah. The dude already looked like a seasoned vet by the time.
2: And dude, now he's a seasoned vet. But he's one of the about, greatest. About to retire this year. I'm going to be sad about it. But um, yeah, he still fucking moves like, like he was young. I, yeah. It's fucking weird.
1: He's having some of the best matches of his career in this AEW run. Like, no
2: shit. He's like, he reminds me of like an AJ Styles in that, where there's some guys that just, even though you can tell they've aged, did they really? It's like, fuck, dude. It was a good match nonetheless. Like, it
1: just, God, like, I love watching Dustin's matches. Like, Mm -hmm. he's, whether he's doing, like,
2: Like those fucking uh, bunkhouse matches or he's doing the cattle barrel. Yeah. Cattle barrel shit. Yeah. Yeah.
1: If he's just doing like strap matches or fucking no holes barred or just straight up wrestling, he's great. Well, you know what it is, dude. He's just got a great psychology to him. Yeah. But like, there's a reason they call him the natural. That's Mm -hmm. where they, that's where he got his name from because he took to the fucking business and the sport, like a fish to water. Yeah. So, yeah. And then uh, the longest match of the night just after this, then probably like the third best, which I'm still saying Cactus Jack and Orndorff is like underdog match of the night, really, but dude, Barry Windham versus the Great Muda for the NWA Heavyweight Championship, which Ric Flair had come back to the company, so this is right after the Royal Rumble 1993, so think mm-hmm. about it that way. He loses in the Rumble, his contract runs out in February, and he's back on WCW television. And he's back as a baby face. And uh, the big gold belt is there. And the great Muda has been the champion for a while now. Uh, Barry Windham winds up beating him in 24 minutes and 10 seconds in a great fucking match. Barry Windham just has that kind of like cool hand Luke kind of bit about him where he's just what the fuck ever. He's just going to go out and whip your ass and fucking take your sh- he's gonna take your fucking belt. And they were setting up what would later become like a Barry Windham Ric Flair match whenever Flair like went and started putting the belt on him unbeknownst to Wyndham and Wyndham turned around and was like, what the fuck? And then like Ric Flair was just like, all right, all right, all right and just walks out the ring and which ironically, uh, as we're talking about this 30 years later, now uh, the great Muda just had his last match. I know. And of all people, he did it in a six man teaming with Sting and Darby Allen. It makes me so happy. Oh, dude, I'm telling you, like. Sting, cause Sting and the Great Muda are one of the greatest rivalries over mm. the last three decades. Those two had some fucking awesome matches with each other. And then they go out like as teammates. I think it's cool that the, the Muda got to retire and he had such a long and storied career and he's one of the best
2: that's ever fucking done it. How do you think Darby feels being asked to be a part of that? Like, you know at his age, he's like damn, bro, my life a movie. I'm telling you. Because really, if you look at like Darby in general you would not expect him to have these kind of like run-ins so really good for him dude that's cool as shit
1: this man's wrestled everywhere but great Muda loses this match in the championship to uh to Barry Windham and and in fact it's the only title change of the night because we had some segments that led up to the main event which is Big Van Vader versus Sting in the White Castle Fear Strap match now like the White Castle of Fear. I'm sitting here yeah. thinking, okay, are they going on some hamburger runs? Is That's this, is what this I like,
2: thought. I was like, what the fuck?
1: It's just like Harold and Kamar. I mean, Sting like kind of in this era was just kind of roped into some of these giving matches. Like this motherfucker done had the goddamn the fucking coal miners glove match with Jake Roberts months before at Halloween Havoc. This motherfucker's going to have a White Castle of Fear strap match, which is just a regular strap match. Let's be honest. They were throwing some stupid names on this because the vignettes that were playing of Sting going through like the fucking snow, trying to look for Vader, and finding his fucking helmet gear and all this other dumb shit. Vader actually beats Sting in this match, which really surprised me, but it was furthering their feud along at the time. But let's talk about a couple of moments in this match that happened. I was just like, what the fuck happened here? Now, Vader is known for notoriously being stiff in the ring, right? Mm-hmm.
2: Vader, yes, motherfucker.
1: Vader is whipping the piss out of Sting with his belt. I'm talking like with the strap, just smacking him real hard. Sting is being a sport about this, and he's whipping Vader, but he's doing the thing where he kind of jumps down and stomps the ring to make it look all like dramatic and shit, so it's louder than it looks, and they're showing the crowd like all these old women yelling, hit him, beat him up, like telling him to beat the piss out of Vader. So he beats the shit out of Vader, like quite less stiff than Vader beats his ass. Vader rolls out of the ring onto the floor. Harley race is like kind of standing over him or kneeling over him to looking like he's trying to like rub his back out. Well, they swap camera angles and clear as day. You can see Harley race running a blade right across Vader's back three fucking times. And (laughs) Vader's back just starts bleeding out (laughs) because they're trying to sell that sting whooped him so bad that it cut his back open with the strap. And I'm just like, no you you really just gave the man like an option to get infected, yeah, now granted, they're splitting their foreheads open and shit, like they're doing you know they're they're getting juice that way, but I mean at least they can like cover it easily if they need to with your back, you're just kind of there, you're just kind of like laying in fucking beer and spit and piss and whatever Hepatitis. the fuck else is on the floor, yeah, dude, God damn,
2: staff infections. <laughs> oh God, but if you didn't catch it on camera, though, it was still a cool idea. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's just,
1: uh, just the fact that you see it happen. It's just like, Oh, you're really, God you're damn. really going that far with it. Aren't yeah. you? So uh, anybody other that doesn't know the rules of a strap match, the idea is you got to like take your opponent like with you you had to drag him around the ring and touch all four corners of the ring. Now, you know, Vader does this and you know, he wins or whatever. And it's so funny because like sting is all pissed off. The crowd is like booing. And this is back when pay-per-views wouldn't just go off the air. They would kick it back to the announce team for a minute. And it's like, you see Tony Schiavone and Jesse Ventura, you know, signing us off the air, and you see people just throwing shit on the ground in the bag, like they are just leaving their signs. They're just so fucking mad that Vader won this match, like they they just they're getting the fuck out. And you can see like Tony Schiavone because this is the point where they put their their mics over the PA system, and you know Tony, oh what a great night of matches we've had. Oh that's right, Schiavone, it's one of the greatest cards I've ever seen, and oh. I'm just sitting there like, oh no, it's really not, but. The crowd like can hear them talking, and you're just like, "Oh yeah, Tony, want a great man!" I mean, and boo,
2: I'm like, "Yeah, boo, boo these, <laughs> boo you whore!" <laughs> like for real. It was still a pretty fucking fun event, though, man. It
1: really was. I was very entertained by it, like legit. I was legitimately fucking entertained by a WCW pay per view, like before WCW was winning the Monday Night Wars and all this other shit.
2: It cheered me up whenever I was like super fucking ill. And that's that's what I used to do.
1: Whenever I was homesick yeah. from school, I would go to Curtis Mathis and I would rent wrestling tapes, just like this one. Great memories, though. But yeah, February twenty first, nineteen ninety three was when this pay per view took place. So we're really not very far off. No. So, like, we just passed the thirty year anniversary on this one. As of this recording, we're gonna take a break and uh, we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about WWE Elimination Chamber uh, that happened just last week. Uh, a lot, of, lot to talk about there in a couple matches. But before we come back, you're going to hear from our pals over, because fuck you, that's why. It's a British game show style podcast, and they're going to explain to you what the fuck they do. So, until we come back, you're listening to the Super Media Bros on the Odd Pods Media Network. Don't go anywhere.
2: Hey, I'm Pantsless Aaron. This is Stevie. And I'm Augie. And we are Because Fuck You, That's Why, the podcast that's all about playing games and having fun. Our games are mostly based on British panel shows or British game shows, but we'll play just about
1: anything that catches our attention and imagination. Our show is all about laughs, so please come by and have a great time. Why? Because Because Fuck You, That's Why. Hey, guess what? What? Did you know Manscaped is now selling beard
2: products? Funny enough, I'm just now starting to grow a beard.
1: I, I know. I was really proud of you for for doing that. I know. I'm trying to braid it like a Viking. Did you have to do the thing where you like Play-Doh squeezed yourself for it to come out? Yeah. No, it's okay. I won't tell anybody that happened. Thank you. Manscaped is once again revolutionizing men's grooming with the brand new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. From a beard trim to a fresh shave, the technology behind the Beard Hedger Pro Kit allows you to shape your signature beard look. And now you can finally use Manscaped products to make sure your drapes match your carpet. So go to Manscaped.com using our code SUPER to get 20% off and free shipping. Nobody likes a weird beard, so say goodbye to all your stubble trouble with the new Pro Beard Kit from Manscaped. It all starts with the Beard Hedger. This thing is a juggernaut of fixing faces. You've seen it. It's freaking huge.
2: Dog, this thing is fire. Speaking of Viking, it's like a
1: weapon. First off, this thing is cordless, and it's got a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths all in one guard, so there's no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons. I can't stand that. Like,
2: finally. Yeah, it's kind of a pain. Like, it's honestly one of my pet peeves in my bathroom.
1: Not anymore. Face grooming doesn't need to be hard, so you're going to get 20 different beard lengths in just one guard. Plus, it's waterproof, so you can avoid all that hair in the sink. The titanium coated T blade is tough on hair, but smooth on your face, leading to single stroke efficiency that brings satisfaction one stroke at a time. The Pro Kit does not end there. They've also created four dermatologist tested formulations for your post trim care. Huh? Yeah, remember how you were talking about getting a beard balm and shampoo and all that stuff? Yeah. All right, well, check this. First off, the beard shampoo and conditioner. What? Yeah you need to remember that your hair is different on all parts of your body. Mm -hmm. Your beard hair is more coarse and easier to damage than the hair on your head. That's why the kit has made shampoo and conditioner specifically designed to moisturize, reduce ingrown hairs, replace natural oils, and promote beard health. Next up, the kit's got Manscaped's Beard Oil. Nobody wants a guy whose beard is brittle and dry. Mm -mm. The oil relieves dryness, both on the beard and the skin beneath, while adding a little shimmer and shine, making you look extra fine. Cap off the kit with the Beard Balm. It's a pomade that shapes, styles, moisturizes and tames for a sculpted look to attract any fellows or dames. The pro beard kit also comes with three free gifts: a beard brush, a comb and scissors to ensure that your beard is ready to impress. And dude, that beard brush is so soft and my god, the comb. <laughs> I love that thing. It's got two like sides. You can flip that thing around for thin or like, you know, wide.
2: <laughs> I've been using my old clippers guard like taking it off of the clippers and, and combing it with it. Yeah. Oh, not anymore, dude. Oh, this is going to be so
1: much better. Ah, right. This kid's got it all. And you guys can get it all by going to manscaped.com and getting 20% off with free shipping by using our code super. That's 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com using our code super. The manscaped beard hedger, one stroke, one guard, 20 links. Thank you, manscaped.
2: You're the goat. Goated.
1: Support for today's episode comes from Vincero Collective. If you're not familiar with Vincero yet, they make exceptionally crafted and stylish watches at affordable prices. So if you're looking for a perfect Valentine's Day gift for yourself or somebody that you love, you can save 20% off and get free shipping site-wide with our exclusive code, SUPER. Vincero Collective is a premium lifestyle brand based out of San Diego that makes high-quality and affordable sunglasses, jewelry, and much more. Vincero's goal is to help the everyday person accessorize their outfits with premium products at a price that makes sense. They design everything in-house and source their own materials and produce in small batches. They're committed to doing things well or just not doing them at all. For all the boss men and women out there, their watches are a must. They can elevate your look with a twist of the wrist. Made with surgical grade stainless steel, durable silicon, and Italian marble straps, these sleek and modern watches come with reliable automatic and Japanese quartz movements. And did we mention the sunglasses? Shades On isn't just a catchphrase from the Supermedia Bros here. The sunglasses come polarized with handcrafted frames and so many styles to choose from. Men's jewelry is on the rise too. From pendants and chains to bold bracelet statements, Vincero is consistent with their jewelry drops, the perfect accompaniment to your watch. And ladies, or men buying for your partner, Vincero's women's jewelry is designed to stand out and keep you feeling confident. They make it easy to reinvent your style one accessory at a time. Vincero Collective is your one-stop shop for Valentine's Day. They're even offering a five-year guarantee with a 365-day free return policy to make gift-giving even easier. So whether it's a gift for yourself or someone in your life, add Vincero to the top of your wish list. And don't forget to use our code SUPER at VinceroCollective.com to get 20% off and free shipping site-wide. That's V-I-N-C-E-R-O-Collective.com using our code SUPER to get 20% off and free shipping site-wide. Look good, feel good, and save big with Vincero. And we're back. We're going to talk about the WWE Elimination Chamber 2023 So just like the Royal Rumble, this one had five matches on it as well. But because of the style that the Elimination Chamber match itself is, it leaves hardly any room for anybody else. Yeah. However, Brock Lesnar had the shortest match of the night, and Roman Reigns had the longest match of the night.
2: That really doesn't surprise me anymore. I know. What surprised me is the placement of the Brock Lesnar match. Uh, We'll get to that in just a
1: minute. Uh. It opened with the women's elimination chamber match, and it's for a shot at Bianca Belair's, uh, and it's for a shot at Bianca Belair's uh, Raw Women's Championship at uh, WrestleMania 39. And this was Carmella, Liv Morgan, Natalia, Nikki Cross, Raquel Rodriguez, and Asuka. And just spoiler alert: uh, none of these bitches were
2: ready for Asuka. I wasn't ready for Asuka, dude. Whenever who was it? Because again, I was sick during the viewing of this, so it was feverish. Maybe my memory's a little foggy. It was Carmella that was dancing in front of Asuka at one point, And Asuka is just staring right through fucking her fucking hole. soul. Yeah, dude. dude. I was like, I was sitting there laid up in bed. My cat is sitting on my chest and I was like, let's go.
3: Let's fucking go.
2: <laughs> my man's dying over here. Dude, I felt like shit, but I powered through it, man. You, and you, did, you overall, did good, kid. You done did good. Overall, you know, it's, uh, it's what you expect from a women's match in the WWE where that's elimination chamber. You know, it seems like they all wanted to use the chamber, but all they knew to do is just smash their faces through the bars. Right? Like they were like, we want to do this, but we
1: fucking really can't go how we want to go. Like, I feel like WWE needs to allow a little bit of bloodshed, man, and some yeah. stuff like this. Like I feel like they shouldn't do it year round. Like they're obviously like, oh, we can't fucking like do it as often as AEW fucking does this shit. But my God, like you guys, if you have a match like this, um yeah. just, I
2: don't just, know. just just give
1: us a just give us something like this for cage matches. Like Hell in the Cell and yeah. Elimination Chamber, yeah. like need to come with like a fourteen rating.
2: I think so. This match was fine. It was serviceable, you know. I I mean, it's you've got women like Carmella in there, so you're not going to get anything too extra, you know? Right. Asuka looked great. Sure. Um, The Liv Morgan spot where she passed out instead of tapped out. Um, Okay. I'll I mean, buy it. Yeah. I mean, because that's the thing is like you can't buy it in the scheme of like Liv doesn't have that stone cold Steve Austin look to her where – Obviously, because completely different people, but I'm saying like, you don't buy that she's that kind of character, but at this point it's like, well, y'all pushed her to the moon. So I I guess so. Yeah. (laughs) You you gotta not, you gotta make her not look weak. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, you're kind of backed into a corner with some people, you know? Yeah.
1: But, uh, anyway, Oscar winds up winning, uh, in 19 minutes and 30 seconds, uh, making Carmella tap out or say yes or whatever the fuck she quits. And by God, man, uh, it's about fucking time. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, kinda.
1: Yeah. But I'm talking, it's about time that she's getting a main event at WrestleMania for a championship that hopefully she fucking wins.
2: I'd be shocked if she doesn't dude.
1: Yeah. Cause it feels like they're, they're going ahead and just putting the train behind her again and pushing her like, Which they should be doing. Yeah, for sure, because Asuka was a comedy act for a while, and she was taken very seriously before that, so.
2: Yeah. And might I just say, the makeup looks badass as fuck. Sure. But that one night that she showed up with no makeup on, I was like, I often forget just how pretty this woman is. Oh, not me. Oh, my
1: God. God, like,
2: Asuka's great. She is, dude.
1: She's great all around. But yeah, I'm looking forward to her and Bianca's match at WrestleMania. I think that Mm -hmm. one's going to be a pretty fucking good
2: banger, so. Asuka's going to win it, because at that point, it's going to be a year that... Bianca's... Yeah, so it's like... She's run out of people. Yeah, like, you could drop the
1: strap. Yep. Moving on to uh, Bobby Lashley defeating Brock Lesnar in 4 minutes and 45 seconds by disqualification. Because Brock Lesnar was just like, no, I'm going to fucking... You'll kick you in the dick.
2: Yeah. Because he couldn't bust out of...
1: He couldn't bust out of his finisher. It's like, oh my god, dude.
2: I I guess, uh, Mania match? No,
1: it's going to be Lesnar and Omos at WrestleMania.
2: That's right. Yeah, I forgot about that shit. What the fuck is this then? It's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, I only, I only excused it because I thought of WrestleMania. I forgot about Omos. I don't want to see that. Who wants to see that? No, Mas... No Moss, Dude, I know Omas is probably a really sweet guy. I get it. But like, I don't I don't want to see him versus Brock. I do. I want to see Brock fucking like beat his ass like
1: legit. <sighs> I just don't care, man. I want to see him drop him on fucking oh, sword. I don't head. care. Alright, then let's move on. Edge and Beth Phoenix. This de- was fun. Yeah, Edge and Beth Phoenix defeat the judgment day in 13 minutes and 50 seconds. Uh Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley, so I have to say something about this match
3: mm-hmm.
1: Um, poor Beth Phoenix just couldn't get her shit together no. for this one and that terrible fucking spot where the referee and Beth yeah. both missed their fucking cue referee straight up stopped counting Edge did his best, yeah he did his best to realize what was happening and try to kick out it, everybody just looked
2: bad in that spot. Yeah. And even the crowd couldn't. The crowd didn't recover after that, uh, honestly. No. And really, I'm kind of the same way. Whenever I something takes me out of a match or even a movie or an album, like really anything, once I'm taken out of it, it takes me so long to recover.
1: Yeah. And I'm not even trying to shit on this match because they did no. their best with what they got.
2: No, I'm not trying to shit on them. Like I said, it was still a really fun match, but I don't know. It's one of those things where once it takes you out, I think that it's probably because of how much fun it was and the event overall, that whenever you do get a slip up like that, it's like it sticks out even more. Yeah, because I'm not going to, I feel like a dick
1: saying this, but this is true, bro. That's a hall of famer in the ring too. I I know, but I'm talking about the one, the one that did their best. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the one
2: that completely like missed. And, but again, it shows a quality of the rest, you know, because right. Think of it like this. Does, did you get taken out of the match with sky blue and Soraya whenever they would botch something?
1: Yeah, a little bit, but not, not this bad. That's what I'm saying. Like, because it's the caliber right beca- here.
2: Exactly, because you expect Sky Blue to botch. I love Sky Blue's ass. Same. But <laughs> <laughs> so does... <to> sp- <laughs> but, I mean, she botches a lot. Like,
1: back to dark, kid. Yep, yep. Not even elevation, just dark. You, mean, you, ain't seen, you ain't seen the light of fucking day at all. You ain't seen the light of day at all on that shit. But yeah, Edge and Beth Phoenix win this match, and uh, we're going to move right on to... um the men's elimination chamber for the WWE United States title, which I still think is one of the better looking championship belts Mm in WWE. Yeah. Um, Austin theory who I'm starting to really not mind since Vince McMahon left and he's just going to be his own fucking guy now. And he's doing his thing. He looks better with a beard instead of that fucking pedo stash. (laughs) that he's been fucking rocking for a while (laughs) and he got his first name back again. Wrestling Bronson Reed, Damian Priest, Johnny Gargano, Montez Ford, and Seth freaking Rollins. Now, I will just cut to the chase right now. The better of the two Elimination Chamber matches, hell of an effort by all six men involved. When it came down to Montez Ford, Austin Theory, and Seth Rollins, I really thought they were going to fucking give this to Montez. I really thought they were going to give it to him. Like as far as like if you put the three people you think are going to win, mm-hmm. I had my money on Montez Ford actually fucking winning this because they're going to push him as a single star soon. You know they they are. are. However, it came down to Theory and Rollins. And so when that happened, I was like, there's no way they give this to Seth Rollins because Rollins is going to need something at Mania because they're actually going to be building to Austin Theory and John Cena at WrestleMania.
2: And that's why I thought they would give the belt to Seth only because it would... Probably be a title match. And that at that point, it becomes obvious that theory would go over.
1: Well, here's the thing. Austin theory needs this championship. Seth Rollins does not. Seth Rollins. Right. Has, he, Seth Rollins is one of those guys that has finally reached that status of, he doesn't need a title.
2: Well, I would love
1: to see him with one, but
2: here's where I was thinking is again, like I said, if theory and Cena go for, to mania it would be a title match it's pretty obvious theory would go over sure i thought well with that said give the strap to seth and then have logan paul win it at mania
1: yeah this is what we're getting at i called seth rollins and uh logan paul on a rumble review because that's who fucking showed up and screwed rollins over which my boy ran in there while they were fucking carting out Montez Ford. Not only did he show up, my man's been studying tapes, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to fucking hit, um, I'm gonna hit Hangman Adam Page's finisher on Seth Rollins. And wh- why? Why is, th- why is Logan Paul this good already?
2: I don't understand, but every time I, I see a prime drink now, I buy it because I'm like, you know what? This man earned my respect. Plus, they fucking taste amazing. I fucking love those.
1: Please sponsor us, dude. So fucking good. But yeah, the fact that Logan Paul of all people, I'm sitting here like, fuck, dude. Between him and Bad Bunny, they're yeah. getting a lot better with the people they're picking, celebrity wise, to come do these matches and shit.
2: I know it's fucking wild. I remember when people were like blown away that Hugh Jackman was so good in that one spot with Zach Ryder. Oh my god! And because we were so preconditioned to hating these spots. Logan Paul though is fucking phenomenal. How do you think that match is going to be? I think really good. I, honestly is style-wise, you know. Logan Paul would probably do best against somebody like Seth or even Orton if he was available.
1: Yeah, I I I feel like Logan and Seth are going they're going to do great though cuz mm-hmm. like you know uh, they're size wise. They match up pretty well. You know, Seth Rollins is going to take care of him in the ring and you know, they're going to, he's going to make him look like a million fucking dollars. Like oh, they're going to, sure. they're just, they're going to have a great fucking match. That's, uh, that's kind of what I was getting at. He's basically become uh, Seth Rollins is kind of like the special attraction guy right now that the company can count on to deliver. But yeah, you basically have two matches set up out of that. So that that's great. Like WrestleMania is starting to come together pretty well. Which leads us to the main event of the evening. And now, granted, this is in Montreal. This is where Sami Zayn is from. It is Sami Zayn versus Roman Reigns for the Undisputed WWE Universal Championship. And at 32 minutes and 20 seconds, this was without a doubt match of the night. Sammy looks like a fucking megastar. Roman looks like a badass. Sammy looks like a badass. They both made each other look so fucking great the fucking bloodline story is the greatest story in professional wrestling right now. And this is across every fucking company going right now. It is the best fucking long running storyline. And Sammy is knocking this clean out of the park. He is sympathetic. He's, he's got great acting. The fact that we are slowly seeing what I was calling coming together. The last time we talked about this storyline Sammy Zayn loses this match, but with a valiant effort, like the, like the way that he lost, he looked so strong in defeat that it actually made Roman look weak with the way he had to beat him mm-hmm. and to beat the fuck out of him with a chair and all this other shit. Like he had to have interference and all this other shit
2: just to beat Sammy fucking Zayn. I'm just so glad they didn't do the dusty finish. Same. Cause I, it, I just don't want it to look like, Cody's victory is going to be taken away, you know, like where it's like, but you, they've,
1: they gotta be careful how they do this though, because the the fans is not even just in Montreal. The fans period are just so behind Sammy that it could completely like usurp Cody Rhodes, like story going to mania. And then like, we don't want to have a Brian Danielson, Dave Batista story happening where like, Dave Batista was supposed to be the babyface running that one, and he was actually going to win the title. And then the fans wanted Brian to win so fucking bad, they wound up going with that.
2: Well, as long as they don't make it a triple threat. I God hope
1: not, because what they're building to, it seems like what they're building to is going to be. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn wrestling the Usos for the tag titles at Mania. That's when it needs to be, man. It's going to be that. It's got to be because like uh, Sammy and Kevin still have like their their shit because they never they never really healed that fracture between the two of them in story, you know. Um, and we could talk about some of the aftermath of this because of course like Roman won the match. Like let's be honest, and he won the fucking match. Uh, Kevin Owens came out after the fact to fend off the Bloodline, which Jay Uso was not there, and Jay Uso has not been there for a while. In fact, Roman had told them to stay home. Mm-hmm. But it just blows my mind how well this is like all coming together. Mm-hmm. Um on raw Sammy uh talking with with um Kevin Owens and he's trying to sell the fact and he's like w- we we need to take the bloodline down together. And Kevin Owens is like, No, I've been fighting him by myself for this whole time. I'm gonna keep fucking doing that. Why don't you ask your buddy Jay to do it? It's like fuck, man. And then you're gonna have Jay who's like obviously at you know and on his end of this fucking story where he's torn between like, he really loves Sammy as a brother and a friend, but you know, he's, he's got to make a choice here and it's, it's either, it's either his family or it's, or it's, you know, Sammy. And that's interesting. Yeah. And I, I really feel like the bloodlines foundation cracking and crumbling like this is what leads to Roman Reigns losing to Cody. The fact that like Roman is so consumed with the fact that Sammy Zayn has split his family apart like this his family is not a solid foundation anymore. We're heading into WrestleMania with him. And like, maybe by that time, the family, the bloodline doesn't have his
3: back anymore. Or maybe some of them do.
2: What if it's just him and Paul, just like how it started?
3: Yeah. Very well could be,
1: uh, the road to WrestleMania, uh, which that's the elimination chamber, by the way, the, 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 five matches, um, pretty good pay-per-view, honestly. Um, it was, yeah. but like heading into mania, dude, like, uh, I'm actually very excited. Uh, for this two-nighter again this year to talk about it uh, in a couple months, like when it when it drops, it's shaping up to be a pretty loaded card. Mm-hmm. Like, dare I say, last year's mania was probably one of the better ones in recent memory,
2: probably since '30.
1: Yeah, and then this one's already looking like it's gonna be a million fucking bucks. Like, oh yeah, big time.
2: Uh, it's and it
1: has to do with the stories going into it. You've already got like a really good like special attraction match with Logan Paul and Seth Rollins. You got another special attraction with Lesnar and Omos, which that'll be like, you know, big meaty men slapping meat or whatever the fuck. Hey, yo, you've uh, potentially got Zayn and Owens wrestling the Usos for the tag championships. You've obviously got Rhodes and Roman wrestling for the championship Oscar versus Bianca Belair. Then you got Charlotte and Rhea Ripley. The possibilities are fucking endless for wherever the rest of this pay per view goes because you got two nights to fill. They still yeah. got a whole bunch of other shit they could put in the undercard. Austin, oh, yeah. Austin Theory and John
2: Cena. I'm thinking it'll happen.
1: I want to know who the fuck Gunther is going to be wrestling because you Shamus. know. Oh, did they make that? No, but Sheamus. I could see it because that's the only, that's the only championship that he hasn't won. Wait, actually, did right, they,
3: right?
2: Yes, but did they confirm it? I feel like I feel like. They're doing Seamus, Gunther, and Drew. That'd be kind of a cool triple threat or whatever.
1: But I, all I know is like the only legitimate like they're confirmed like as of this recording. It's the only confirmed matches they've got are Cody and Roman, Charlotte and Rhea Ripley, Bianca Belair and Asuka. That's all they have confirmed right now. So
2: we shall see. Yeah, they're they're leading up to it though for sure.
1: Uh, visit supermediabrospodcast.com for past, present, and future episodes. Check out all the other shows on the Odd Pods Media Network by visiting oddpodsmedia.com. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us on all the social media channels. We're most active at supermediabros underscore on Twitter. Uh, our Facebook is kind of like a graveyard right now. And you can check out our stupid pictures at supermediabrospodcast on Instagram. Leave us a rating and review at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, and Podchaser. Buy a fucking t-shirt, man.
2: Yeah.
1: Buy a tank top. It's summertime fucking suns out guns out man I don't know what we're doing next week Fuck it. yeah come back next week and hang out with us again if you if you like what you're hearing so we got a ton of content for you coming up and we have a ton of content from our back catalog so go check that shit out too while you're waiting around it's time to go to sleep boy Nah, we're gonna watch that game oh yeah oh yeah, we do we got a game to watch holy shit yeah, yeah it's already on oh let's go watch it let's go watch that XFL game this song alright bit Thanks for hanging out with us on episode 264. Until next week, I'm Richie. I'm Devin. Shades on. We're off.